You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. Morning. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. Uh, so thanks to, for all of you being here. Happy to have you. Thanks for those of you tuning in online. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing. Wine. <laughs> it's going to be one of those days, huh? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll try not to get uh, too crazy up here. Um, the thing about wine that's so weird is it starts as grapes, right? And not just grapes. Like, wine starts as very particular grapes. Certain grapes make certain wines. It's, it's important to have the right grape for the right wine. The other thing that's weird about wine and wine grapes is you can't just plant a vineyard and then go get your grapes and then make wine. It doesn't work that way. The grapes won't be ready. In fact, it takes decades and decades. It takes generations of families to plant mature vineyards for grapes to make wine. It takes a really long time. So if you see grapes around here, vineyards around here, they're probably not actually making wine with those. They're just trying to get the ground ready to make the right kind of grapes. It takes a really long time. So you take those grapes once you finally got them and you crush them down. And that releases the sugars from the grapes. And then sometimes people will add more sugar, right? Or you'll add yeast. In ancient times, they didn't always even add yeast. Sometimes they would just use the yeast from like their hands or their feet. You see people like crushing grapes with their shoes off, right? Like that whole thing. But there's yeast on our bodies, right? And so that gets in there and that starts the fermentation process. And so that yeast starts breaking down the sugars and that creates the alcohol and that's where wine comes from. And it's a very complex process. It takes a long time. That's how wine is made. And wine's super interesting because wine is very powerful stuff. That's why you, we say you got to be 21 before you can drink. That's why half the people in this room right now are going, why are we talking about this? Because it's very powerful stuff. It's a controversial thing because just a little bit, a glass or two of wine can generate amazing conversations between people. (laughs) I didn't think that was a joke when I was writing this, but now I'm like, all right. Just a glass or two? Come on. All right, my point is, just a little bit can break down barriers. It can break down walls. I'll be honest. I've had amazing conversations with people over a drink that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise just because something comes down, a wall comes down. That wall of preservation lowers just a little bit, right? That there is something about a drink that can be really beneficial. They say that red wine a little bit is actually healthy for your heart. It's healthy for your gut. There's, there are benefits to it, right? It's a thing for celebration. We see that throughout Scripture. It's used over and over and over again in our lives. You've all been to a wedding. There's generally alcohol because it helps people celebrate together. It can be a good blessing 
with just a little bit? Too much? Too often? Destroy your whole life. It will destroy your world and it will destroy the world of the people around you. It will make you say and do stupid things that you would not have otherwise said or done. It can change you. It can take control of your life. It can make you a slave to it. It can destroy you. It can kill you. It can take the lives of people around you. We hear drunk driving incidents, things like that. It can drive you to do terrible things. And so we have to recognize that wine can be a blessing or it can be a curse because it's powerful. If you haven't noticed, we're talking about wine today. <laughs> Let's jump over to John 2, 1 through 11. It says this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman. <laughs> I laugh every time I read that part, because... Like, if I said that to Abby, I'd get hit in the face. Like, that does not work. So, apparently, this was like a normal thing back then. This was just a common turn of phrase. You say, woman. It's not like, woman. No, it's like, woman. Dear woman. Why are you, why are you dragging me into this, he says. My hour is not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And I like that she doesn't even tell him why. She's just like, just listen to him. Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding uh, from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom. He called him aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This has always been a problem passage for me. Not that it like has made me like question my faith or something, but because I've never really like fully grasped it, I don't think. There's a lot going on here. And so, I'll tell you, when I was back in college, Ball State, not Indiana Wesley, not Bible College, this was first round, this was a very different Zach, a much stupider Zach. Um, I read this and I'm like, oh, so Jesus brings out the good stuff. Jesus brings the high alcohol content stuff to the party. And so then I would abuse that and use that as a reason for me to drink however much I wanted, and buddy, I did. And it was not good. And that's not good. We can't just cherry pick scripture and use it to our own beck and wants and needs. That's not how this works. That's wrong. That's sinful. But what I do think you see here, there is a truth in this, is yeah, I do believe this is Jesus bringing wine to the party. People try to make arguments that it's not real wine or it's not real. There's not really alcohol content to it. I do not see that in scripture. I don't see that historically. I don't think you can make a good case for it. That's just me. That's what I'm saying here. But I don't think that this excuses drunkenness. I don't think that's okay. Jesus makes it clear over and over again you shouldn't be drunk. The Bible makes it clear over and over again. But we do see Jesus 
bringing the wine. So is that it? Is that really what this is about? Can't be. That's too little. Maybe he's just trying to save the face for the bridegroom because this guy ran out of wine at his wedding. That doesn't look good on his family. That's shameful. They're having a party for seven days. This is a Jewish wedding and they last a long time and they're halfway through it and they're out of wine. This is bad. Is he just saving face for the guy? Maybe. Maybe that's part of it. But I don't think that's, that's it still. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I understood what this passage was until like four days ago. Here's what I think Jesus is really doing. I think Jesus is telling the whole story of who he is and why he's there with one miracle. I think he's summarizing his whole gospel, his whole of the good news in this one miracle. And to point that out, we're going to have to jump into the gospel, right? So for those of you uh, that aren't super familiar with how to tell the gospel story, take notes because I'm going to super condense, like way condense this thing. But this is a good way to tell people. Here's what happened. God made everything. Made the waters, and he made the earth, and he made the sky, and he made the stars and the planets, and then he made all these animals, and he made all these plants, and he made everything good. And then he made man. And man was not like everything else. Man was different. Man was set aside. Man had a purpose that he was going to be given that was going to be unlike the rest of creation. And so God makes man in his own image. That man would be the creation that gets to bear the the resemblance of God on earth. That man is the ambassador to God here on earth. That man's supposed to go spread his influence on the earth and show the whole earth how to sing the praises of God and to show the earth the glory of God. And that's the plan, but that's not what happens. We walk the other way. We don't want to follow God. We want to follow ourselves, and so we do. And that's called sin. It means to miss the mark, to mess up. Because we would have rather gone our own way and just saw what was in store rather than have to live under his command. And so we do. And it ruins us. It destroys us. From that point on, all we do is bring evil into the world and death into the world and darkness into the world. And that just goes on and on and on and builds over time to... The point that we look around us now at the world today and we go, why does all this bad happen? And the answer is us. We do all this bad. That's why the world is the way it is. And so we'll surely die for that, right? Death is the end that has to meet all of us. Until God steps in. And God enters into human history, into reality, into our world as a baby named Jesus. And he lives the perfect life that we were called to do as the image bearers of God. 
The one that we turned away from, he never turned away from it. He stayed true to the path the whole way through, and his people hated him for it. He was not who they expected. He was not who they wanted, and so they murdered him. And he laid in the ground for three days, and then he rose from the dead. And then he gave life and newness of creation to anyone who would believe in him, anyone who would call him Lord. He gave that freely and continues to give that freely to this day to anyone who will follow him as their God. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. But the question is, hey, Zach, what does that have to do with the story that you just told us? And I think it's reflected in everything about the story that we just read. See, Jesus is at the party. They run out of wine. That's a problem. So Jesus steps in. And Jesus tells these servants, hey, I want you to go get those, those pots over there. I want you to go take those stone pots that are generally used for ceremonial hand washing. And I want you to just go fill them with plain Jane water. Doesn't bless it. He doesn't do anything. He just says, go get the water. Go put water in those. Storing common water in these vessels made to contain something holy, something set apart. And when Jesus has them put this water in these vessels, it's not just water anymore. It turns into wine. And it doesn't just turn into wine. It turns into the best wine. It turns into the good stuff. Jesus takes water and turns it into wine. It's no accident that years later, Jesus would drink wine with his friends around a table. And he would say to them, you know, this is my blood, right? That, that this is the sign of the new covenant. This is the sign of the new deal. This is the sign of, of me making a deal with you. And it's signed in my blood. And he says, when you remember this, when you drink this, Remember what I'm telling you right here. It says this, this wine, this, this blood of mine is for the forgiveness of sin. And they probably had no idea what he's talking about, but some hours later, they do. They know exactly what he's talking about because the man is strung up on a cross by Romans and he's crucified. He's pierced through his hands and his feet. He has a crown of thorns on his head and that blood that he was talking about the night before is now pouring out of him onto the ground in front of his friends and his mother. And it all has to click, right? And they put him in the ground. Three days later, he raises from the grave. And anyone who believes in him is no longer that common husk of a man. They're no longer broken, ruined image bearers of God. They are counted as the royal sons and daughters of the king of God. We're a lot like water turning into wine. Just like water doesn't turn into wine. Water can't turn into wine. We talked about that process. It takes decades and decades of dedication to tilling the ground and making the right kind of grapes and getting the grapes and crushing the grapes and going through the fermentation process. It's this huge thing. There's no water. And Jesus takes water and he turns it into wine. 
into something magnificent, something plain and common, into something special and matured and flavorful. And in a similar way, he takes us, broken husks of men, broken, ruined image bearers of God. There's no shot, none, no hope for us. And if we just believe in him, we can be sons and daughters of God. We are like wine. But remember what I said about wine? It's powerful. See, wine can bring joy to the room. It can be the the source of celebration. It can build relationships. It can be healing. It can help you. It can be good for you even. It's a blessing if you'll just let it be. And in a similar way, we can be that blessing to the people around us. We can take the stress off of the people around us' shoulders and carry their burdens with them and tell them how to go to the one true God that takes away all our burdens. And we can mature together and we can grow together and we can celebrate together and we can build our relationships together. Or... We can be a curse to the people around us. We can destroy lives with our words and our actions and our thoughts. We can hurt people at every turn. And that's how we get into the state that the world's in today. So how do we refrain from that? Let's look back at Cana. Jesus looked at a bunch of servants that have no idea what's going on, and he said, I need you to go get those stone pots that are generally for this. Just just don't worry about that. Fill fill them up with water. And they're probably going, what? You're not the guy that's supposed to do that. What are you doing? But, But they did it. They did it anyways. They just listened. They just believed him. And because they believed him, he did something miraculous. That's what we're called to do. If you want life, if you want to be a new creation, if you want to breathe life into the world around you and into the people around you and be a blessing in this world and not the curse that we've been for way too long, believe. And if you believe, you will live. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is what this first miracle is. It is the foreshadowing of everything that he is and all that he's come to do. And I hope you see wine a little bit different today. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.